0: Lori Kilmartin is a comedian and writer based in L.A. She's used to making people laugh by getting up on a stage, going on tour. But the coronavirus put an end to that.
1: As a stand-up now, um, I do my job on Zoom in my bedroom, where exactly where I'm doing this podcast. Is that weird? It feels weird. It's incredibly strange. Um... The fun thing about stand-up is being uh, with a crowd and knowing that things can go off the rails at any second. I think that's totally lost on Zoom. It, the audio delays are, um, they're, they're like only two or three second delays, but they kill
0: jokes. They kill timing. Yeah, it's funny because you said, you know, stand-up is all about something could go wrong, which is so true. And stuff goes wrong on Zoom all the time, but in like the least funny way.
1: Yeah, in a frustrating way. And and it happens multiple times in a show, so it so it, it gets less funny every single time when someone starts chewing during your set.
0: Lori's been to Zoom shows with designated laughers, folks who try to make it all feel more seamless. It's still weird.
1: I, I mostly just try to slam in as many jokes as possible on Zoom. That's my style. And then get out of there? And get, get the hell out of there. <laughs> and do the dishes. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah.
0: Do you talk about COVID in your sets? Yeah, I was
1: definitely talking about COVID. Um,
0: One of Lori's COVID jokes was about her 82-year-old mom. Her mom is a bit of a regular in Lori's comedy. They've been living together. They're a bit of an odd couple. They fight about politics. (laughs) My mom is a pistol. (laughs) And that that's what you want to put in your mouth when she talks to you. Recently, Lori had been joking about how she was avoiding washing her hands, just hoping to infect her mother. She
1: uh, has been driving me crazy for four years. So that's sort of like a staple of my act is when is my mom going to die? <laughs> and, she, and she's never going to die. She's just going to keep living. So uh, for, I guess, I guess, two months, I was working on a chunk about how I, not even COVID, COVID could kill this woman. <laughs> so anyway, that chunk's going to be tweaked, obviously.
0: That joke's going to be tweaked because Lori's mom did die of COVID.
1: But, I mean, I didn't give my mom COVID
0: and nursing home did, to
1: be quite clear.
0: For Lori, telling a joke is a kind of incantation, a way to keep her worst fears at bay.
1: In comedy terms, it's like, if I make a joke about this very specific thing, there's no way it's going to happen, right? So, um, you know, I would make jokes about my mom slipping in the shower or whatever just to like almost protect her because it would be too too on the nose for my mom to die exactly the way I had predicted in a joke and so in a way you know doing a chunk about I hope my mom gets COVID is a way of me going well she's not going to get COVID because I made jokes about it and there's no way those two things never intersect so uh, it didn't work (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Obviously. The, the coronavirus is um, it's very strong, and it doesn't pay attention to my ridiculous uh,
0: rules. Lori Kilmartin lost her mom a week ago. But she hasn't stopped kidding around. In fact, her jokes about losing her mom to coronavirus have been going viral. Today, why Lori's funny version of grief is a kind of trick mirror reflecting the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who've lost loved ones, too. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. I wanted to speak to Lori after I ran across her Twitter feed the other day. It was like this news ticker from inside a horror story, with moment-to-moment updates on her mother's death. But it was also shockingly funny. Each missive, like a little note your sharpest friend might pass you, in the back of class while rolling her eyes. It turns out part of the reason Lori was so good at coming up with jokes about death is that she's done it before, when her dad went into hospice for lung cancer a few years back. She live-tweeted the whole experience, including the 24 hours she and her family spent with his body after he died. It was intimate. People responded. So it made sense that when her mom got sick, she didn't think twice about letting them in again.
1: The task of trying to write a joke was also a relief to me because I was like, oh, here's something I can do pretty well. I can't really help my mom. She's She's dying, and I can't do anything about it. But I can write a joke about how crazy that is.
0: Yeah, it's control.
1: Yeah, so that's what I was doing and still continue to do.
0: Part of how I really started paying attention to your Twitter feed was that you were so willing to access the anger and helplessness that I think people who are dealing with COVID in a loved one feel. Like this other podcaster (laughs) tweeted something out about masks, about like, I don't want to wear them. I'm not going to wear them into businesses. So you tweeted right back at this guy, like, my mom is dying of COVID. I'm watching it right now on FaceTime. The palliative care team says her bed's going to be ready for you in 12 to 24 hours. See you then. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty mean. I'm not a nice person. So, <laughs> did you know that you were going to make that joke? Like as soon as you saw this thing fly across your feed. Uh, yeah, I guess so. My fingers started typing it.
1: <laughs> so yeah, it was just outrageous. Just so stupid, you know. And and it hit me uh, right when I'm watching. I'm watching my mom die because somebody like that was careless. My mom was. She was quarantined with me. We were really careful when she went into the nursing home, she was COVID free because they tested her. So she came in contact. I, I wouldn't even say somebody working at the nursing home. I think they're, they're being as careful as they can. But if they come in contact with somebody who went to the beach on Memorial Day weekend and that person you know was asymptomatic, then that's how my mom got it. So I look at, I look at people like that as, as people that killed my mother. So yeah, I don't care. I'll come after you yeah you know, i'm not I'm not saying my mom would have lived twenty more years or even through the end of this year. I don't know that she would have, you know, she um her body was she was very frail. my My pain is that she the way she died, hmm. you know, alone as opposed to at home,
0: yeah, I think there are people out there who will hear this different ways, like some people who who maybe want the country to open up again and and kind of get back to quote unquote, normal. I could hear them saying, yeah, exactly. Your mom was vulnerable and what we need to do is protect vulnerable people. But why can't we just get back to the way things were for everyone else? Well, I mean,
1: I I understand that, especially if you're losing income. But it's not just old people. A lot of middle-aged people are dying. And yeah, you know, physically frail people are more vulnerable and may die. you know, if you don't care about that, I can't help you. Hmm. Um, But you might die. How do you know you don't have an underlying condition that hasn't been diagnosed yet? Do you want to find out by being in the COVID ward? Trust me, you don't. I've seen a COVID ward. It's awful. You don't want to be there. You don't want your loved ones watching you on an iPad. (laughs) Well, you can't talk because you don't have the energy to speak. You don't
0: want that for them. I do want to talk a little bit about your mom and how she got sick and your relationship with her. She was living with you, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've called her in the past the Donald Trump of your family. Can you explain that a little bit? I did. I don't remember that, but she was she was a Trump supporter. She was a
1: a Republican. uh, So she listened to Rush and Glenn Beck and Savage and Mark Levin and all those guys in my in my house. I would hear it. I would be like, "This is like secondhand smoke to me." You (laughs) you have to wear headphones, please. Um, So there was a lot of tension, and I was frustrated a lot. But when I could put aside her politics, and when she would let me, when she wasn't like flaunting them in my face. Then we could just be, you know, two people who loved each other.
0: What did she think about the pandemic?
1: She was terrified of it. She, um, she didn't think it was a hoax. She knew it wasn't a hoax and she was very afraid of getting it. That's what my sister told me. I didn't know that. She didn't tell me that. Maybe because I would have gone into an anti-Trump rant, but um, mm-hmm. she told my sister that, so. I, I hope she didn't know she had it. I, I, I'm like, I, I'm still debating, should I call the hospital and ask, when, was she conscious when she came in because they tested her at, at the hospital she died at? I, I hope she didn't know she had COVID. That would be devastating. Hmm.
0: So you've talked about how when it was discovered your mom did have COVID, you and your sister had to really fight to be with her what did that look like? How do you do that? Well, that was, that was insane. We,
1: you know, we spent a little time arguing with people and it's like, uh, we understand. Yes. And they would give us sort of a bureaucratic answer. And then like I I went to Twitter, I had a bunch of Twitter followers. So I said, Hey, can, can you guys, can you please send a nice polite email to this guy who it turned out was the wrong guy, (laughs) but whatever. And a bunch of people did, I guess. And then my sister is a psychiatrist and she belongs to this a Facebook group of female physicians and it's gigantic, it's all over the country. And she posted something. And I think what really turned the tide is 40 female physicians signed an, a letter just saying that this is doable. If you put them all in, you know, put them in PPE, you know, I work in a hospital that does this. We do this safely. This is doable. And I think the combination of the, the pressure from maybe both sides really helped push push the administration of the hospital to doing that.
0: So Lori and her sister were let in to see their mother. The hospital ended up changing its policy for everyone, actually. But Lori, her family, was the first allowed to visit. So
1: we, we got to spend, we were supposed to be an hour, but I think it was like an hour and a half. And we were completely suited up. You know, we had the we were wearing plastic over our clothes and masks um and the face shield and you know we were we were brought into my mom's room, and uh we were able to hold her hand, although obviously we were wearing plastic on our hands so she couldn't feel skin on her skin and rub her feet and rubber legs and place her hair properly because it was kind of wild and and just tell her all the things you tell your parents at the end, it's, you know, it's pretty basic. It's like, I love you. Thank you. I'm sorry. And all that stuff. Um, when my dad died, he was able to say it back and I, I could feel, we could feel my mom trying, you know, we saw her physically trying to communicate and, but she couldn't, I mean, that's, I would want my last words to my, my kid to be, I love you. (laughs) <laughs> you know, my, I think my mom's last words to me were complaining about the nursing home and what a it was, which is classic. My mom, she complained about everything, but I, you know, it was very intense hour and a half when we played music and I held my mom's hand and I sort of danced a little bit with her. And, um, and then, um, you know, time was up.
0: Yeah. How do you know it's time to leave?
1: They knocked on the door. So we, we exited and they very, very methodical way that we take off our PPE so that we don't contaminate ourselves. And so we followed those protocols and then we drove, we drove back to my house and immediately put her on FaceTime again. And then we didn't, we didn't turn the camera off until after she died. So we were on with her almost 70 hours straight. And we would just, you know, she was on the iPad and we'd walk around the house with her and, You know, we go about our normal lives, doing dishes, whatever. And then I love you, mom.
0: We're here. We're still hanging out with you. We're right. Mm. We're right next to you. You're not alone. Yeah. You tweeted about how if you're going through this, you know, here's a tip. You need two phones. You know, you need a phone for your FaceTime and then you need a phone to call the nurse. And I was like, I hadn't even thought about that.
1: Yeah. I mean, you need an Apple product because FaceTime is just on Apple. My sister, we couldn't use her Android stuff.
0: But luckily, I'm an Apple lady. But so... did the, Was that the hospital? Like, the hospital had iPads in every room? Or was your mom had gone in with one? No,
1: the it's the hospital's iPad. So, you know, if you're a person that doesn't have one and you can't buy one immediately, you're, you're in trouble. You won't be able to do that, you know? It's unfair. It
0: sucks. Yeah, it's like even that, it, it shows how a quote-unquote good death with COVID... You have to have a measure of privilege. Totally. Yeah. I was so afraid of losing her
1: that um, on FaceTime that we just used my sister's phone to, you know, say, hey, she's she's frowning. It looks like she needs more morphine.
0: I know you said you, you left the FaceTime open after your mom passed away. Why was that important to you?
1: Well, like, we had been watching her on Thursday morning and her breathing there started to be pauses, long pauses between breaths, right? So I don't know, maybe in the half hour before she died, my sister and I would be watching her and we were watching her and, and she would take a breath and then she would just stop. And we, and the weird thing is, is, is her breath, like her, her chest stopped rising. And then during, obviously one breath she never recuperated and took another one. And we just watched for like, we started going, how long has it been? 10 seconds, 20, a minute. Oh my God, she just died. Um, The hospital, the staff didn't come in immediately. I don't know if they were, I mean, they had a window so they could watch her. And I don't know if they were notified that she had stopped breathing via machines or what, But they left us with her for about an hour, which is fine. I didn't want anyone I just wanted to be with my mom's body in the way, whatever way I could, because when my dad died, we kept his body overnight and, um, that was really helpful, very healing. Um, so they, the hospital staff came in, um, about an hour later and they said, would you like a little more time with her? And again, this is also, we are so lucky because had this been New York city, you know, a month and a half ago. I probably would have shipped her out immediately because we got, we got 20 more patients coming in, you know? Hmm. So we are really lucky that we got in this hospital when they had already set up their FaceTime iPad situation so that we could watch her this whole time. And that they had, they had time to let her be in this room, this coveted room for an extra two hours so that we could just watch her and talk to her and accept and process that she's, dead, you know, like it is it's very helpful to just to to see them not breathe and go, wow, it's it, you know, I'm not being told she's dead. I see it. I see it.
0: Did you know you weren't gonna see her again? Like I don't even know what the protocol is when your loved one dies of COVID.
1: Yeah, I think we figured that. The worst the worst thing was when they they came in and and they said, are you ready to to turn off the feed and we said yes and then they turned off FaceTime and when you turn off FaceTime there's this little noise and the, the image goes away immediately and it was so shocking because then our vigil was over we couldn't protect her anymore or help her in our limited way anymore and that little FaceTime noise I'll never get over it <laughs> because she's went away. And then my, my, my iPad, all my dumb apps replaced my mom. (laughs) Like one second, there's my mom. And the next second it's, you know, Venmo and Vimeo and Twitter and iTunes and the apps. It was, um, very stark image change. (laughs) my mom's being cremated sometime this week and we'll get the ashes and then, you know, well, there's already a niche where my dad is. And she wants, obviously she's going to be with my dad. They're going to be in the same niche. And um, so we'll, we'll take care of that. And we're going to have some kind of zoom remembrance um, on the 4th of July weekend with family, because this weekend my cousins (laughs) gonna be married. So we don't want to, we're like, I don't want to step on her wedding (laughs) with mom's uh, remembrance. So we'll do it the next weekend.
0: Yeah. Have you been able to write any jokes since your mom died? Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, uh, there's a bunch of jokes on my Twitter feed. Yeah.
0: Is it like, is it different? Is it easier? Is it harder? Or is it just... No, it's just
1: now, now I'm chronicling this side of it. Before I was chronicling the part when she was dying, and now she's dead. And i had done it before with my dad. Um, so... I don't know, maybe I have calluses or something, but uh, grief, sadness, rage don't, don't come out in joke form in your body. They come out in noises and they come out in, in wails and your stomach tightening, you know, and then it's my job to, when that ends or when that starts to subside, to sort of tie it up into a neat little joke. That's my job.
0: Hmm. It's such an interesting way to think about it. You had this song that you listened to with your mom and your sister when you went to go see her. And you mentioned you, you listened to it a couple times. I'm wondering if we might even close the show with it. But can you tell the story? It's, it's this song, Joanne. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as you said the
1: name, I'm like my throat filled up with... Um, yeah, it's a Lady Gaga song. And uh, it's her album. It's called Joanne. We should say your mom's name is Joanne. Her name is Joanne. And the song Joanne is about um, a woman who's dying. If you could, I know that you'd stay. It was a plea to Joanne to stay and not leave just yet. And then it's also a love letter to her. Ends with X-O-X-O, Joanne. Those are the last lyrics of the song. It's a beautiful song, even if your mother isn't named Joanne, but the fact that ours was was really striking. I
0: think
1: call
0: me Joanne. Laurie, I'm, I'm so grateful for you joining the show at this time, because I know it's a lot. So, thank you. Thank you, Mary.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: X-O-X-O Joanne Lori Kilmartin is a comedian. She wrote a book about her dad called Dead People Suck, A Guide for Survivors of the Newly Departed. You can find her making jokes and doing all types of stuff on Twitter, at AnyLaurie16. And that's the show. What Next is produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, and Daniel Hewitt. I'm Mary Harris. I will catch you back here tomorrow.